la 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 this week in smart go with your host fat kev smith hey everybody it's fat kev smith trustworthy kev smith here letting you know about some happenings in the world of smart go hipping you to the happenings this week in smart co uh right now you can go to hulu.com and check out the brand new episode of the smart co show spoilers man uh we see rock of ages this week and we talk to robert rodriguez it's a good time ralph's on there as professor cartoonius we drop another hollywood babylon cartoon on you oh it's mary check it out man go to hulu.com slash spoilers check out all three episodes we've done so far uh since it's a new week you know that means new jane bob get old on wednesday of course new babylon on uh, monday and that's uh ralph and guest host david keckner and for both of those shows, there's some clips. If you want to watch them, go to YouTube slash CSMOD. That's our SIT, SMODCO Internet Television Channel. And uh, you can watch clips of uh, ba- a bit of babble, me and Ralph sitting there talking about Thor. And you can watch clips from Jane, Silent Bob, get old, and me and Mr. Jason Muse. Uh, it's a new week, so there's a brand new Fat Man on Batman, which is a podcast that SMODCO dropped a couple weeks ago. Tearing up charts, number one on iTunes and whatnot. Everyone seems very, very pleased with it. Uh, part two of our interview with the People's Joker, Mark Hamill, is on this episode. If you've never heard Mark Hamill interviewed, my God, it is oral delight. A-U-R-A-L, man. He tickles the ear pussy in a big, bad way. Just finds your clitoris and gives you an eargasm. That's what we do at Smodco. We'd make talk sexy. July 14th, looking ahead. You going to San Diego Comic-Con? You better be, man. And while you're there, go to Hall H on Saturday night for my annual Q&A. That's right. I'm going to stand up there and tell you a bunch of stuff, tell you about Smartcade, tell you about the TV shows, tell you about Hit Somebody, tell you about some comics we got coming. Lots of announcements going on. You'll want to be there when it happens. July 14th, that's the Saturday of Comic-Con weekend. Hall H Q&A, as per usual, me at the end of the night, cussing my fool fucking head off. But then... Here's a little bit different. Run across the street right after that, man. Get your fat ass uh, to the House of Blues because me and Ralph are doing Comic-Con Babylon, man, for the second year in a row. 11 p.m. show. It's late night. going to be sexy. Tickets available at csmod.com. Speaking of me and Ralph and being sexy and being out of our Los Angeles uh, home base, we're going to Ottawa, man. The Hollywood Babylon Canadian premiere and my personal uh, auto, Ottawa premiere in Canada's uh, nation's capital. Me and Ralph are going to be at the Centerpoint Theater doing Ottawa Babylon on August 25th. Uh, go to csmod.com for tickets. Me and Scott Mosier, a week before that, we're going to be doing live Smodcast in Portland. Portland, Oregon, man, not Portland, Maine. Don't get your hopes up there, Maine. Uh, Portland, Oregon at the Aladdin, August 17th. Tickets available at csmod.com. But if you're like, hey, I don't want to pay for any of this shit. I like my shit from Smodcast free. Well, guess what? You can go to the YouTube channel, YouTube slash CSMOD. Fall down the rabbit hole at SIT, man. Smodco Internet Television. And when you're driving and you're not stoned, put us in your ear pussy. Let us tickle your ear pussy, man. Hard with our eargasmic music. Uh, Smodco Internet Radio, man. Sir is uh, there for you at all times. Uh, don't forget to watch uh, spoilers this week on Hulu. And we'll have more information about more shows coming. In fact, uh, the comic book man season two starts shooting very soon. People get ready. There you go, man. That's this week in Smodco. I'm Kevin Smith. Now on with the show. There you go. All right. Well, then it is time for another thrilling edition 
of our very own ABCs of SNL with your hosts, Kevin Smith and John Lovitz. Man, welcome everybody to the ABCs of SNL. I'm Kevin Smith, and I'm this, of course, is John Lovett. Give it up for him, ladies and gentlemen. There are a number of reasons why we start a little bit late, but the timing is always <laughs> ironic because it's about 8:30 in, here in the West Coast, which means 11:30 back east. So they're starting. Saturday Night Live, uh, the very show that kind of puts you onto the big old map, and that's why we're all sitting go. here tonight. But before we jump into your scandalous Love It's past, let's just touch on your bizarre Love It's present, man. Since the last time we did the show, oh, yeah. weird shit's been happening to you. But before we touch on that, just tell them all while we're late. Tell them what happened. Tell them. <laughs> tell them. Well, I said, Kevin, you know how you have a wife. Well, <clears throat> I have a cat. <laughs> Anyway, it was about three in the morning. So my cat woke me up uh, like it was going to throw up. So I'm like, oh. So I d- it sleeps on my bed over the covers. <laughs> no pussy for you under the covers ever. No. Well, anyway, so, it, so I got up really quick and I held it over the sink and then it, it didn't. And then I went to, you know. Wait, pick- hold on. You picked up the cat and rushed it to the sink to vomit? Yes. Why you, is that fun? Well, I didn't want it to throw up on my bed. Well, so. what happens next might fucking persuade you to not do this anymore. What happened after you held the cat over the sink and it vomited? Well, so then it didn't. But then, anyway, I just went to the bathroom to pee, and I was standing there, and I, but I felt dizzy, and then I felt all the blood rush from my head, and I felt kind of cold, and the next thing I know, I go, bang, I just fell back and hit my head. And then, you ever been half asleep? Like, you're, you're half asleep, and you stub your toe, and you're like, what just happened? But you're still half asleep. It was like that. So I was just laying on the ground going, uh. And then I went to sleep. Did you pass out? I, I didn't, but I, I kind of did. I didn't, I didn't lose consciousness. But yeah, I get, when I fell back, I, I was starting to pass out. And then I guess when I hit my head, it woke me up. <laughs> and, then I, and then what did I do? I don't... So we're in for a funny good time. I hope so. But if I start repeating myself, let me know. <laughs> I won't even be aware of it. This show's here, dude. But if I start repeating myself, let me know. I won't even be aware of it. <laughs> um, before anyway, that's what happened, so I'm kind of uh, before the concussion. Before this happened, you made the news twice uh, in the last like two months. First, it was a weird. Not even trying to. Yeah, at yeah. all. It was the. It was a. Uh, somebody it's had nuts. sent me a link. They were just like, "Look at this, man. Lovitz is Batman," and you had uh, kind of <laughs> gone after. Some little girls, which sounds way dirty, but it's not. Um, no, that doesn't sound happened? bad. No. <laughs> what? No, what happened was uh, I had a friend. I grew up here in the valley in Encino and Tarzana. Anyway, I went to Partola Junior High in eighth grade. I had a friend of mine, really great guy. Not, I'm about five, uh, not, uh, six, two, and he, he's about five, six. He's not a big guy, but a really nice, like the nicest guy in the world and really funny guy and very, very nice person. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years ago, they had a, a reunion here of my junior high here that we had in the club, and I saw him again. Anyway, and then they friended me on Facebook. So the other few weeks ago, I'm looking on Facebook, 
you know, and it's, what is that thing that says news feed? And I see a picture and he goes, this is what someone left on my, I woke up this morning, this is what I found on my front porch. And he's Jewish and his mother's a Holocaust survivor. And on his front porch was, it, it was like someone put like dog crap on his porch and then there was like swastikas and maple syrup and it said Jew. So he was terrified because his mother's a Holocaust survivor. And, uh, you know, she would, you know, obviously growing up, she would tell him the stories of what happened, which are, you know, beyond, you know, horrific. And so for him, it was real. So he was terrified. Then, so I, I, I like him, I'm sure, thought, oh, there's some skinhead, you know, who would do this? Well, it turns out it was, uh, he has a 14-year-old daughter, <clears throat> and she has, uh, she had these three, four, a couple of girls, she was friends with her same age. Anyway, these three 14-year-old girls were, uh, Driven by one of their mothers to the house to do this. To they three three teen girls. Yeah, when one of the, the their mother the drove one. them. They teepeed one house, and then they went to his house and teepeed it and did this. So While I, the mom was in the car. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she. Well, she drove them. I don't know if she got out of the car and helped. I don't know, but she drove. She definitely drove them there. Right. So you're like the a mother drove their kids to leave swastikas. And, I mean, it's insane. So. Yeah. I started saying on Facebook to him, I said, you've got to do something and you've got to nip it in the bud. Because this is exactly how uh, uh, anti-Semitism starts. And if you just let it go, then people go, oh, well, this happened and no one did anything. Oh, okay, let's get going. And that's exactly what happened in Germany. You know, in, after uh, World War uh, One, you know, you have Hitler saying, oh, the uh, you people are great. And, you know, the German mark was at six trillion to one. It was worthless, you know, so for one U.S. dollar, you needed six trillion marks, and, and it was worthless, and the city was, the country was just leveled from World War I, you know, everything destroyed, and they had nothing, and it was, you people are great, it's the Jews, you know, it's, you know. All, right, all right, so that's how it started, and uh, Eli Wiesel, you know, the Nobel Peace Prize uh, uh, writer, and he was in the Holocaust, he wrote a book about the Holocaust called Night, that I'd read. And in the book, he was saying how it started. He was about 15, and he lived in a little village. I don't know if he was from Poland or Germany, but one of them. And he lived there, and they had a guy that was considered the village idiot. And this guy would just say stuff, and no one paid attention to him because he's nuts. Well, one day, the village idiot disappears for four days, and all of a sudden, he pops up again, and he's like just looking crazy and saying, they're killing all the Jews. They're putting them on trains and killing all the Jews. And nobody listened to this guy. They go, oh, he's just, the, he's the village idiot. He's crazy, you know. And that's horrific because he was, you know, the village idiot is telling you the truth and nobody's listening. Mm. So. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Yeah. Well, you asked. It's true. Anyway, so I'm telling my friend, you've got to do something. You've got to nip it in the bud. This is how it starts. And he's saying, I, I can't do anything. He's horrified. He's worried about someone's going to harm his 14-year-old daughter at school. And she's bullying, and I'm egging him on to do something because I, you know, it's scary to me. It's scary. It's just, it's a frightening thing to see that in this day and age. And then I realized, well, then, and then they came out. He said, they're not, the police can't do anything. It's not a hate crime. It's a hate incident because, um, because there was the no permanent damage the swastika to the house. It wasn't done in paint. It was done in syrup. It's syrup. Like they'd also put maple syrup on the car. He goes, well, if you'd left it on the car another two hours, it would have damaged the paint, and then we could have done something. And, and I had dinner with – I know it's crazy. I had dinner. I go, well, what about the psychological damage on this girl? You know? And I had dinner with a, a friend of mine, a policeman 
a friend of mine who's also friends with a policeman from Santa Monica, and I, while this was going on, I go, well, what should my friend do? Should he call the police? He goes, yeah, absolutely. He goes, we take this very seriously. He has to call the police. It's very serious. I go, well, you want to talk to me? He goes, yeah, and he talked. So it's, you, know, you can't let this thing go. So the police said they couldn't do anything. So I was so angry. I just said, well, screw it. Fuck this. So I went on my Twitter and said, put the picture and said of the, of the porch and said, here's what someone, I didn't know who had done it at the time. I said, here's what some idiot and coward did to my friend, you know. This is an insult to all of us, you know. And, and then I said, you gotta do something you can't. And then he put a picture of these three girls, uh, from their Facebook. And you can't see their faces. I didn't, I don't know their names. I don't know who they are. If they walked up to me, I wouldn't know it, you know. But their faces are covered and they're like this. With a finger in front of their face, it's insulting. So I said, you know, screw this. I want to stick up for my friend's daughter because my friend, he couldn't do anything. He was just petrified, understandably. Because yeah, yeah. he's hearing the firsthand knowledge of what happened in the Holocaust from his mother his whole life. Right. She's got a tattoo, you know. And of course, according to Mel Gibson's father, he goes, no, no, the Polish Jews, they, they weren't killed. There was no Holocaust. Well, then where'd they go? They left. They just walked out. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess the... They were in a hiking back then. And <laughs> it was a long hike, but hey, backpacking was, you know, yeah. the way to go. So, um, I, I, anyway, so I tweeted this picture, and I was really angry, so I said, you know, I go, oh, here's the, the three 14-year-old girls that did this to my friend's daughter. I go, they want to be famous, let them be famous as Jew haters. Please retweet. <laughs> and people did. It well, then they went like fun. crazy, and, and then... And then I got a call from my manager and CBS News wants to talk to you. I said, well, I don't, I don't want to, not doing this for publicity. I just wanted to, he goes, well, you should do it, you know. And I said, I don't know. My friend doesn't want his name out there. So I met with the reporter. He goes, well, you should do it. I went, well. So I met with the reporter. I go, what's going on? And my friend doesn't want his name out there. She goes, well, his rabbi of his temple is really upset because it's not a hate crime. It's a hate incident. And he wants the story out there. I go, so you're telling me his rabbi wants me to say something? She goes, yes. All right. And I've never done anything like this in my life. You know, it's really weird because I'm always playing characters and acting, but this is just me talking about something that's going on in my life. And I realized I have to say something. I can't not, I'm in the position to do something and I felt compelled to do it. And I go, I have to say something. I just can't let this go because this is exactly how it starts. And from that book by uh, uh, Elie Wiesel, this is, this is what happened to him in Germany. This is how it starts. And in bad economic times, you know, you want to get, you know, popular, you, you, you give people a scapegoat, you know. Right. And that's what, so I did, so that's what happened. And then I went in the news and it went everywhere. And then it said falsely that because of what I did, these girls got expelled from their school. It's not true at all. They, that, what happened, I asked my friend, what happened? He said, oh, the police came like the, the chief of police, the two detectives, another cop, and talked to these girls. He goes, apparently very hard for an hour, and then they were crying, we were wrong. And then the principal of the school expelled them because they broke in the school rules. It had nothing to do with what I did. My whole point was, I said to my friend, well, did she, he called me and he, and he said, thank you so much for sticking up for me. And then he broke down, you know, he couldn't talk, he was like crying, and he said, you know, you can't believe what this has been like. I said, well, what happened when your daughter, because uh, I said on the internet, uh, on the news, I said, well, I go, it's three girls against one. Well, now it's two against one, and who else wants to join? And then I thought, oh, I just called myself a girl. <laughs> and I go, what did she do? And I said that, and she goes, she smiled. 
And I'm like, good. That's, that's all I wanted, was right. to, for this girl to see the world saying, this is not acceptable. And her father, he was doing what he could. He was petrified. He's just going, I got to make sure my daughter is not harmed at school. I mean, he was convinced someone's going to attack her. You know, it's horrifying. Open your front door and see fucking hate written on your front step. Yeah, yeah of it's course. like, you know, and, and it, for him, it wasn't, it was real. It was really real. He heard it, you know, from his mother growing up saying, this happened. This is what happened. Here's my tattoo. You know, and then people that go, it didn't happen. It's like, all right. I mean, it didn't happen, but, you know, the Holocaust didn't happen. Okay, well, then why in Germany you can't draw a swastika? They have the concentration camps. What do you think they built them after the fact as an amusement park? You know, people are insane. <laughs> You're a hero, yeah. dude. You stood up, man. No, you're, I don't you're know. A fucking Jewish, here Jewish, Jewish, you are a Jewish Batman. That's what the Shalom News said. I stood up for Jews everywhere. And I'm like, I did? Oh, yeah, I did. Hmm. <laughs> but that was not what I was trying to do. It's, it's very weird mental, to be in that position. Like, you can do something to help somebody. Do you not do it? No, you have to do it. You were like... And I was... Very nervous talking on the news about it. I, I've never done anything like this. I was very nervous. And then a couple of weeks later... Yeah, it happened again. It happened but again. I, First time you went after little girls, next you went after the President of the United States. Um, and everyone kind of uh, listened to uh, this an episode of this show, the previous episode. Yeah, in January. That we recorded in January. Yeah, and we some people go, oh, later. you're just doing this to um, get publicity. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. It was about this many people. I go, I know. If I say this, it'll be in the press. It you was know? weird. That, that that one struck me as odd that that made the press. Like somebody uh, pulled out the section where you. Uh, yeah, you put po- you post it whole episode and for whatever we, we haven't done one of these in a while because I've been working like crazy. You've been busy working, and and it's oh we can do it when we're both in towns, and so then you. The idea Posted. after recording the last one was we're going to hold the posting of the episode until we know the date of the next episode of ABC's and F- of SNL so we could put an ad at the top of it to let people know when they could come see the show next time. And we could oh. never line up a fucking schedule. He's busy. I was busy for a little while. So me and Ralph were down from Babylon one week. I said, let's put up ABC's of SNL, the one that I've got in the bank, even though we don't know when the next show is going to be. And so it went up, and I guess somebody had clipped out a section of the podcast where you talk about the president and it traveled everywhere. Like it, it was suddenly all over the place. You, you know, going to the, uh, the John Lovitz or fucking, I saw many Hanukkah Harry attacks the president and shit like that. <laughs> or the critic indeed kind of thing. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I what, slandered the president. Some of them said, what, what was it like being at the epicenter of that man? Did you get, well, I was in, I've been, I was, I'm tanned because I was in Fiji a couple of weeks ago for two weeks doing a movie. And, uh, it sounds romantic, but it sounds like, oh, I was in Fiji shooting a movie. My, you know, but it, I mean, it was fun, but it, the movie was a very low budget movie, but I had a great time. But, you know, they have a Wi Fi. So I went on with this, my iPad on the internet. And I just look up and see if I'm in the news or not. And all of a sudden I saw this. I'm like, what the hell? I go, this is crazy. And at first it was four articles. And I said to a friend, I go, now the next day, that night it was eight articles. The next day it was 32 articles. That afternoon it was 43. The next day it was 55 articles. It was crazy. Oh, I left something out though. <clears throat> when, when this thing happened with the girls, with the, with the anti-Semitic thing, mm-hmm. then that thing exploded. And I was like, what's going on? So people were 
on my Twitter account saying, oh, I think it's great you did this, and da-da-da-da-da. And you got some anti-Semitic things. You're a filthy Jew. I did on this thing, too, with the president. You're a filthy Jew. You're the, the Jew, you know, these idiots. Anyway, I don't care. I, all you do is you retweet it, and then everybody goes after him. It's very yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's pretty easy, yeah. So I go, this guy says I'm a filthy, you're a filthy Jew. And I go, what do you think? People go nuts, you piece of shit. Yeah. So I, I was shooting this show. This is, I've been working really, it's great. I'm working a lot. But I was doing this show hot in Cleveland. I'm, this is what's amazing about it. I'm saying the network. I'm in, hot in Cleveland, so I'm sitting there waiting to do another scene. I'm on the set, and I'm looking at all my Twitter stuff, and I'm answering the Twitter. And about 15 minutes later, I go, well, I wonder what articles are out there. So I find an article myself. I'm reading it, and I go, and all of a sudden, I read what I had just put on Twitter for like 15 minutes before. I'm like, what the? So clearly, somebody's watching my Twitter account all of a sudden. Right. Which is also odd, you know. Because I'll put a I thing like... For a second, I thought you were going to blame the Jews. <laughs> Someone's watching my Twitter account. We all know who. Well, they're very clever, these people. <laughs> but like, like if I put a thing, hey, I'm doing the ABCs of SNL. Come see it, you know. I'll get like... Three answers. Right. Oh, I'm doing a stand-up show in Florida. And some girl in Florida, oh, I'm from Florida. I can't be there. That's it. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I go, the president said this. What do you think? You know. Lots of responses. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Did so, you get any death threats? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. How, well, I don't know. They said, they said people called into the club and got 50. Teen threats and I haven't heard him or anything. What kind of like death threats or just like we ain't coming to that show? Click. No death threats. We're like we are coming to that show and he's fucking dead. Click. I don't know. I haven't heard him. You know. You I might want to find out before we both get on fucking stage together. No, no, no. Don't don't worry about it. You know what I did? No. Tell I hired me. those secret service agents. The president fired. One, they'll protect me, and two, they're going to introduce me to those, that girl. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that, that those guys did that, you know. Oh, the Secret Service guys? Well, yeah, I mean, because if you really think about those guys, <clears throat> they're men. And uh, apparently men, I don't know if you know this, Kevin, they like to have sex with women. Yeah. Shocking. So you're on the side of the Secret Service men, I take it? Well, yeah. Would you be upset if if uh, if a guy? I'm not upset by the sex or the fact that life, those dudes wanted to. And then to... when he was like, he goes, "Go check out the club." So he checks out the club, and then that night he has sex with some. You go, huh? Or I'd be like, "Why are you even telling me?" Yeah, I agree. But the problem is, he only wanted to pay sixty dollars for an eight hundred dollar gig. Is that what? Yeah, you he didn't want to. That's pay. what happened. Yeah, he's like, "I'll only pay this much," and the chick was like, "I'm going to go tell America on you." <laughs> and she did, and and that's and we're in the middle of that scandal because this dude was like, I don't want to pay more than sixty dollars well, for a blowjob. I don't pay for job. sex. Well, but I'm a hooker. Yeah. Mm, oh, yeah. You should pay me. <laughs> well, I, yeah, and it's ridiculous. Who cares? Is it really that big of a story? Um. Yeah. Because well, why? So, because the guy well, didn't want to pay a hooker. That, no, but there's a piece that that. Uh, I don't care. It's none of my business. I mean, if the president goes like, "You can't be doing that while you're representing me. You're fired." Okay, fine. But why is that a news story? See, that's the real story. Why is that a news story? Because that a um, man had sex. Because the 
Where do you think we come from? Can I finish? And go. Because the, the, uh, the men in question, or the man in question was a Secret Service agent whose job it is to kind of clear the area, secure the area, protect the president. The president was going to be coming soon. Uh, the, point the president that, was what? <laughs> unlike the secret agent going so to be arriving soon. the president was going soon. to be coming soon. No, 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 no. Sounds like he was doing his job. <laughs> Maybe he'll like her. Maybe. <laughs> no, God, you're gonna get us fucking. No, I know. Thrown now the they're country. gonna take. That's the other point. They're gonna take what I just said, which is I'm on a comedy stage, clearly joking, and they're gonna take the joke and said the pre- John Lovett said the president is coming soon. And people are gonna be like, how does he know? <laughs> they're um, going. That's the real issue. Is not that I I criticize the president, but they're taking it. And and they said Kevin Spacey. I mean Kevin. Uh, that's my concussion. What's your fucking name? <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? Kevin Spacey's in the story. Thanks. Yes. No, Smith. I'm telling you, it fucks up your head. <laughs> I, I just looked. It went out of my head. That's fucking, fair enough. I concussion. I in my head. Smith. Kevin Smith. I brought my mom to the show too. They hear it. Kevin Smith was very uncomfortable while John Lovitz was going on his rant. No. First of all, it wasn't a rant. Then you, I go, watch it. You watch it, and I said something, and there's silence, because Kevin's going, ah, ah, ah. He's laughing his head off. The, they go, the audience was laughing nervously. No, they weren't. No, but they were really laughing. They were really laughing. You know, I said, that's the whole point of a comedian. You say something that's true in a humorous way mm-hmm. and that's why I became a comedian because that's just how I think and all the comics I know that's how they think they just think funny and they're like clowns they go I want to do this you so you see the hypocrisies in life and then you point them out with humor you actually had a lot of support out there man there were a lot of people going he's right a lot of people a lot of support you know and apparently I don't think the issue is what I said is, is that I said it it's what I said apparently touched a nerve and people go, a few five people, I'm not following you anymore. Do you know I've gotten 10,000 more people since I've said that on Twitter? Really? I'm getting like 1,000 a day. Look at you, man. Well, you have a mirror? <laughs> Why, do you want to do some cocaine? No, you just said, look at you. Oh, oh, oh. I was like, wow, you're drunk with power. You're like, you come back get to coke, it's again. Sounds like you, banger. And the other point of that is, yes. that, that, not that I was trying to do this at all, but that's kind of why you had hired it. You know, the spirit of Saturday Night Live. I remember watching it. Did you see it the first five years? Or were you? Yes. Well, the one thing I remember is in my head was they, it was new, and they were making fun of television. They were satirizing the older generation. Satire. Irony. Which if people don't have iron, they don't get it. Oh, and the most, the most funniest Twitter I got, this was it. I said, because I tweeted, I go, what? So I criticized the president. I go, last time I checked, he's president, not king. What's the BFD, you know? And then someone, someone tweeted me, (laughs) the funniest thing ever. Stop talking about freedom of speech. No one's trying to censor you. (laughs) That was good. You got it? Yeah. No, they were, and they were serious. I go, hmm, ironic. That was good. Well, I wasn't my joke, someone, but they were serious. I know, but you did They're sell annoyed. it as the funniest thing ever. And boy, that did not. It fell off a fucking well, cliff. Well, I meant the most ironic thing ever. Right. It was a, it was a cute but tweet. You what you meant a, to say was a cute tweet. Well, I, was. I meant to say funniest. And if you had a concussion, you would be on the floor. <laughs> 
All right, man. Let's uh, go but back. But in the spirit of Saturday, so back to Saturday Finish Night Live. Thought, yes. What I said, Saturday Night Live, I remember watching it was 75 to 80. By the way, I never thought I would be on the show ever. It never crossed my mind. But the point of the show is they would say things, and I remember go, they, they'd say things, and your jaw would drop, and it would be the funniest thing ever and shocking, and you couldn't believe that they said it. And, but it was the kind of things that everybody was thinking. And I'm not... You go, like, what? And I go, I don't know. Something happens, I say it. And that's what happened with this thing with the taxes. I wasn't trying to get a reaction. Turns out a lot of people were thinking it. I was just thinking it, and I was mad about it. And the one I remember was Bill Murray. And remember he used to do that, um, he did a character that would review movies, and he was spoofing the movie reviewers. He goes, hey, how's it going? Okay. And he was like this fake hip guy, and he was like, all right, here's this movie. Yeah, I'd like to sleep with her. Okay, the next movie, da-da-da-da. It was a hilarious character. And one time on Saturday Night Live, they had, for whatever reason, on update, they had his movie character doing the news. So it was the absolute wrong guy doing the news, <laughs> right? The guy was completely flippant. Well, in the news, remember the, around then, the uh, Pope had died, and then they elected another Pope, and 11 days later, that, the, that Pope died. Right. Pope John and, Paul I died. And then Pope John Paul II died 11 days after. No, Pope John Paul. There was a Pope before oh. Pope John Paul I. Oh, yeah. He died. They elected Pope John Paul I, and then he died a couple of weeks ago. Well, I'll go with you on that because I'm a <clears throat> Jew and I don't really follow that religion. <laughs> right, okay. Oh, that's right. And then the next Pope said, I'll honor him and go be Pope go John Paul name. II. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the Pope dies 11 days later. The, the Pope that replaced him, he dies too. So a week later, you got Bill Murray doing the news as this movie character. He goes, okay, well, I don't really normally do the news, but hey, I'll do it. Okay, let's see. Here's the first story. The Pope died, and oh, we did this story last week. (laughs) (laughs) And my jaw just dropped open. I was dying laughing. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, it was the best joke. And anyway, that's what the show is. You know, you, you, you have to have something to say about... Something. And I, when I was in the show, I was 27. I, I was just trying to make it as an actor. Mm-hmm. So I watched, I liked old movies. I was into acting, acting, acting. So I saw The Thin Man and a guy going, yeah, that's the ticket. And I, I didn't do it in the grill. And I go, oh, I wish I could play that character. So I wrote it up and I'm spoofing these old movies. Master Thespian, I watched Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet and John Barrymore and John Carradine. I go, oh, I want to be like those guys. So I cr- created Master Thespian, you know, based on those guys. Every character you do is based on somebody. Mm-hmm. Dana Carvey did church lady. They go, how'd you do that? He goes, well, we'd go to church and be late and there'd be all these women going, well, some people come to church when it's convenient, you know? <laughs> and it was based on that, you know? And, right. and it just is, you know, the characters you write are based on real people or somebody you met. You, I mean, you know, so anyway, that's the, that's the You talk the about the present you feel like was done in the spirit of, you're an SNLer, that's what you do. In your no, I wasn't even. No, I, I'm saying that's. I think that's why they hired me because, because I had that spirit naturally. Really? I wasn't trying to have it. That's, I'm just my. That's who I am. But I'm. I'm saying it's that kind of a thing that sometimes you say things that are funny but are true that everybody's thinking, and I. I think that's why it went viral and everyone's talking about it. Right. Because everyone's thinking it and nobody's saying it. I'm like, well, I don't know why they're not saying it. Um, did you think for a second, like, I should print up a bunch of, bunch of T-shirts and shit like that, ride this fucking wave, it's coffee mugs and fucking talking bobbleheads? No, but the, you're good at stuff like that. You think like that. I totally. The moment it happened to you, I was like, we got to put a talking bobblehead out there. I hate the president. That's the ticket. <laughs> well, 
All the headlines is John Lovett says the president's a fucking asshole. I also said he's amazing. I know. That's but funny. they don't if you put listen that to in the actual What headline clip? would that sell? John Lovett says the president's amazing. It's like, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> no, go, why are they saying he said that, you know? So they totally slammed, which I did say. He is amazing what he's achieved in his life. Right. You're just mad about the tax thing because you're greedy. No. Well, now I have to answer you, you dick. <laughs> Go ahead, answer. What is it? He, first he said people aren't paying enough tax on capital gains, which is money. You, you make money, you pay your taxes, then when it's left over, you invest it in the stock market. Say you invest ten grand, you make $5,000 that year. So you have to pay 15% on that five grand. So he goes, it's not fair, they're not paying enough. He's not saying that anymore. He's just going to the millionaires and the billionaires who aren't paying their fair share of taxes. If you make your money from income, you can look it up. Look it up. It's a 2011 uh, IRS tax bracket. And it says right there, if you make the, look it up now, Kevin, go ahead. It says if you make this much, you pay this. If you make this. If you make over $350,000, you're paying 35%. So he goes, these people, that, but he's not saying capital gains. First, it was corporations that are overseas. They're only paying 10%, like GE. I don't know what GE's paying. How the fuck does anyone know? Have you seen their books? Have you met with their accountants? You have? Yeah. That's well, I, I haven't. Yeah. I don't know. But then he's not saying that anymore. Now he's saying everybody, you know. And you have Warren Buffett, who's worth $66 billion, who's going to die any second going, I think people should pay more tax. Oh, now you say it. <laughs> You're on your fucking way out. Well, this will be another fucking headline. I'm in a comedy club. What could, have you ever? You, you're seeing your thing. Have you ever cussed on stage? Is that like a big shock? No, yeah, yeah. I cuss a lot on stage. Not on a, yeah, right. It's everywhere. And look where we are. It's freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want. So I cussed and in a humorous way, you know. You're a handsome fuck. <laughs> That's a headline I would like to see, man. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of headlines now. <laughs> I never imagined when I was a kid watching SNL that I would be sitting next to John Lovitz and he would teach me economics. <laughs> My heart soars. Well, you have, 30, so you have 35% federal tax. Stop it. You're boring the fucking pants off me, man. Let Let's me, go back in all the right. past. Let's leave the president and go back in the Last past. Last year, I paid 11% state tax. You said the past. State property tax, FICA, which is Medicare and... You brought it up. Medicaid and... and uh, and what's the other one? I don't know. Because I had a concussion. I don't remember. <laughs> the year is not Social Security. The year anyway, is it goes up to about 50%. The and year... then you have deductions. Not loopholes. Legal deductions. The year is 1989. Stop it. The year is 1989. The year is 1989? Yes. I thought it was 2011. My concussion's worse than, worse than I thought. <laughs> Your concussion is bad because it's, it's fucking 2012, dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See? I didn't even know I said it. It's a fucking concussion. It You're is right. the 15th season My of head. SNL, and it represents your last season on SNL. Um, they kick off the season with a big 15th anniversary special. Were you involved in it? Of course, I saw you in it. Yes, I was. I remember you from, the, I think, the 25th I anniversary I remember this. Special? I don't remember what year it is, but I remember back then, they had a big party at the, uh, on the 65th floor of Rockefeller Center at the, Rain, at the Rainbow Room, which is a restaurant up there, and it's like... 360 degree view of the city and I remember wearing a tuxedo. I was very excited. It was it was a real thrill. Who was there? I don't know. Every, I don't remember everybody. I remember Diane Sawyer was there. I remember talking to her. 
What a sexy pull that is, man. You're like, well, I'm in New York the on the roof 25th. of the fucking that rainbow room. I'm wearing a tux. Everyone was there. I'm like, who's there? You're like, Diane Sawyer. <laughs> well, 1990 was now how long ago? 1989 when they had this party. A while ago. I know. There were famous people there. If you look at the episode of that everybody. show, you'll like Look at the 25th the anniversary show, show, too. It's like everybody. I remember that. Yeah, it was bad. It was crazy. So that's how they kicked off the season. And, and you were still, at that point, you're like, I'm going to keep going. Like, you didn't know this was going to be the last season, right? It was just your fifth Well, season. it was my fifth year. I had a five-year contract. And then I got a movie to do. But wait, before you get there. Oh, right. At the beginning of the season, as far as you were concerned... This was your fifth year, but you'd probably re-up, or did you think, I'm out of here at the, at, after my contract is done? Well, they started renegotiating. I didn't know what was going to happen, you know. Well, what did you I want? I mean, the show was what so weird. I never knew if they're going to bring me back year to year. I mean, after my first year, I was very successful, and they had that sketch with the fire, and they stuck everybody in it, and Lauren goes, go to my limo. And I was like, everyone's like, oh, I don't like it. I'm, Terry Sweeney was upset about it. I go, Carrie, it, there's no fire. It's a sketch. Right. And the next day I thought, well, what if they sent you in the fire? And, you know, and I go, oh, I get it. You know, but I didn't know if I was going to be asked back. Uh, by the time you get to year five, you're relatively sure that you're sticking around. Well, I, yeah, that year I knew I was coming back in. But I didn't know if, if after my contract was up what was going to happen. They what started did you negotiating. Want? What did, you, did you want to stick around? Or were you oh, like, yes, I wanted to stick around. I wanted to, you know, you get movies in. I was supposed to do a movie of my liar character my first year, and it didn't happen. It was supposed to, and it didn't. It was very, very, very disappointing. I thought, boy, this is a real shot. You know, we start working, here we go. So then I got another opportunity to star in a movie, and I wanted to miss shows. And basically, Lauren said, you can't miss shows. If I let you miss shows, I'll have to let everyone else. And I said, well, I would have to miss the first two shows of the second, of the sixth year. And I said, but, and I said, it's just two shows. He goes, and he got very angry. Just two shows, you know. And that's how it ended. Well, no. And then, and then he was, we didn't really get along for a long time because, you know, I'll just say everybody complains about their boss, you know, it just happens. And, but for some reason, everything I said got back to him. So he was upset with me. And I mean, everyone was saying, you know. But then my manager worked it out with them, and um, so we were fine. And, and, and then I would have had to miss the first two shows. He said, no, no, no. And I was just I like, well, this is a huge opportunity. And, I, you know, I, you have an ego, you know. And they said, look, are you going to do this movie or not? Because whoever does the part, we're going to build these huge 40-foot statues of them. And I'm like, oh, 40-foot statues of me? Hmm. You know, and I, I go, I, and I thought the script was so funny. It was written by uh, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson. Ed Solomon went on to write Men in Black. I mean, it was the funniest script I ever read. And I said, did you guys write this for me? And they said, no. And I go, well, it sure seems like it, because it was so much my humor at the time. It was like just dead on. I go, this is, I could kill in this part. And it was really funny. It was very, <clears throat> it was very silly and very smart, which I The like. movie is uh, Ma uh, Mom and Dad Save the World. Save the World. So it ended were, up. What were the Todd Spengo? Todd Spengo is an emperor of the planet of idiots, and like I said, it was an arrogant idiot. And to me, that's the funniest thing. I know I said that last time, and then you stared at me for a minute. Anyway, so I so I just said, you know what, fuck it, I'm leaving, and I I did the movie, and then they re-edited it for kids, and it kind of took out the edge. It came out two years later for a week, and that was it. And I'm like, well, that was a smart career move. But then I did, I was supposed to do the League of Their Own that summer too. 
Which and that came out a couple of years later. Well, let's that, go back that, that to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning of the season. You already brought us to the end, man. You really buried, didn't bury the lead. You were like, guess what happened at the end? Sadness. You let's, asked me what happened, and then anyway, I know I asked you what back. happened. I said, did you want to go into the next in season? I would have five, missed those two shows. Was over. I would have said, missed two shows. I'll make them up. Sign me up for another five years. You would have stayed for another five. Yes, absolutely. I loved at that. You know, there were times, on honestly, when I'd say, get me the fuck off this show. Because it was just so brutal and rude. And, and they trade, you know, it's very, very competitive. It's not like that now. But when I was on it, it was brutal. And, and um, but I'd gone through it. And I, I knew the job. It, it became easy, you know, because you do a job for five years. You learn your job. And I loved doing it. And I, yeah, I would have said, I'll do this and do movies. Well, you miss shows. I go, At, put them back on the end. I'll keep going. I would have done it for another five years, you know. All right, so the beginning of this season, uh, going into it, uh, it, it kicks off with that big episode, 15th anniversary. Uh, and then the regular season begins, it looks like kind of the week after. And the first guest, we'll just go through it. Before we jump into the guest, let's do who was on the show at that point. It's still the same crew you had for the previous few years. Dana Carvey, Nora Dunn, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, uh, you, Dennis Miller, Mike Myers... Uh, Kevin Neal. Mike Myers got added in February of 1990. He had been kind of a, a what do they call that, a, a featured player? Yeah, a featured cast member. But then I guess in February they added him as a member of the Yeah, I, I, I mean, he came on, I think he was my last like year and a half or something. Did you work with him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you like him? Did you know him prior to that? No, I didn't know him. Yeah, I liked him very much. Yeah, he's nice. he was a very nice guy and, you know, very funny. Um, all right. I had a very funny story about one of these hosts. Who? Chris Everett. The, the tennis player? The tennis player, player. yeah. Okay, go. And then, <laughs> I mean, go. You're, Mike wrote a sketch it. called, he'd do this character, Lothar of the Hill People, which was supposed to be like people from the, I guess, 600 AD or something. Right. Lothar of the Hill People, and they were, so Chris Everett was hosting. So... She was like a woman, and they're going, what is a woman? What is, and then she goes, well, and she's describing a woman, and, and, they're, and it's all in code, and, but basically in code, they're asking her uh, what a vagina is, but they don't say that. They're, so they have, he wrote Chris Everett going, picture a little man in a boat, which is the clitoris, you see, Kevin. <laughs> so I just remember, we're all like, she has no idea what she's saying. We're all like dying laughing. And, and about a year later, she goes, I didn't know what I was saying. Though a year later, I was like, oh, my God. You know. Anyway. That was an awesome story. <laughs> Let's, well, uh, what's your SNL story about Chris I don't Everett? have any, man. You're right. Good point. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the first official host of the season was Bruce Willis, who I guess was hosting for uh, Look Who's Talking or something. Because uh, this would be about a year after Die Hard. Um, I had, I'd have to look. I'm trying to look up the... Uh, the hosts? No, the hosts. The, oh, here it is, the sketches. Because that's what... I don't remember everything. Yeah, well, the, see, the first, the first show, as usual, I was never barely in the first show. I don't remember anything. Would you remember him? Oh, Bruce? Yeah, I've known him for years. From what? From that and from other stuff? I first met Bruce in 1988. I was doing a movie, uh, My Stepmother's an Alien, uh, with um, Dan Aykroyd and Kim Basinger. And he visited the set, and he'd done a, he had already done his uh, TV series, and then he'd done about three movies, and he'd done a cowboy movie. And, but they hadn't gone well. And I remember he visited Dan, and 
for, and he's asking for advice. He goes, what am I going to do? Like these movies, they're not doing well. What do I do? And Dan said, listen, they'll give you like five chances. Don't worry about it. And then I think his next movie was like Die Hard and it hit huge, you know, and he was fine. But uh, yeah, I've known Bruce for, for years. A very, very nice guy. All, all these people are super nice. Come on, Kevin. Ask me the next fucking question. Go. <laughs> uh, Rick Moranis that? was the next week. Do you remember anything about the Rick Moranis show? Worst time to do this when a guy's got a concussion, I guess. Man. Wouldn't it be funny if you go, John, you were in every single sketch that show. <laughs> no, I don't remember any of that. Kath- now, Kathleen Turner, I do remember very well because I did Harvey Firestein for the third time. Do you all know Harvey Firestein? He talks like this. And he was on Broadway. And anyway, I could imitate him. Some, I can't imitate every people, but some people I see and I could just imitate him right away. So I go, I want to do him. And his whole thing, I don't want to do him, but his whole thing was... <laughs> You know, he goes, I'm gay, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And I was, I was at, uh, living at Penny Marshall's house, and, and I was, uh, for the summer, she befriended me, so I was staying there for the summer. So I was reading the newspaper, and Harvey Firestein had done some um, TV movie about AIDS, you know, and then they were, so they were interviewing him in the Los Angeles Time in the calendar section. So I was reading this, and then he said, you know, I just, he goes like, I just want a man to wrap his arms around me and hold me. Is that so wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so I done it, and I... So I... <laughs> anyway, I did it with Kathleen Turner. And with the whole Harvey thing Fires was I'd say, I go, I'm Harvey... Wait, wait, wait. No, did I didn't. I, mean, I did the sketch with Kathleen Turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did a sketch where I, I'd say... Um, I don't know who's in that sketch, but I, I think... Lee Iacocca closed it out. Oh, uh, John Travolta. Dana Carvey played John Travolta in the sketch. Oh, that was, yeah. First it was oh, John and Lee Travolta. Iacocca. And then, and oh, then you Phil is Lee Iacocca. Yeah. Okay, so this was the one. I, was, I had a girlfriend at the time. I woke up in the morning, and I just woke up laughing my head off. Because in the Harvey Firestein sketch, he would, it was called, <laughs> it was a talk show called Plug Away. <laughs> so... You know, but the go, idea was the guests would... You yeah, know, and he'd always say, you know, I'm gay. And, I, and he was openly gay. And he'd always say, I'm gay, I'm gay. I'm, and he'd always say, I'm the only openly gay actor in, in show business. He would just say it constantly. So I says, I want a man to wrap his arms around me and hold me. I just said, I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? And I go, I'm gay and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, and kids were starting to say it, you know. And, and so... And I would like say, I go, now we're talking to Kevin Smith, so you directed Clerks and all these movies. Now, Kevin, um, if, um, <clears throat> I know you're not gay, but if you were, would you be attracted to me? Just say no. No. Oh, okay, fine. Fair answer to a f- fair question. Now let's move on. So you did Clerks and all these movies, and now you went on promoted Red State and you didn't do shit. Fuck you. Get the hell off my stage. And you get really mad. And then I look at the camera and go, I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? <laughs> <coughs> so, I woke up in the morning laughing my head off because I thought of, you know, about people dying and then I thought about reincarnation. <laughs> no, reincarnation. And I thought, you know, he goes, I'm not asking people anymore if they were attracted to me. And he goes, anyway, the other day my friends and I were talking about reincarnation and they said, Javi, if you, if you were to die and come back as an animal, what would you want to be? And I knew immediately, and I said, a bee. <laughs> because I, you know, I get to fly around like a bird, 
And then I'd spend all day in, in the, you know, in a world of, of gardens with flowers and beauty. And then at the end of the day, I'd get to go back to the hive and eat all the honey I want, which I do now anyway. And then I had people on. I'd say, now, Kevin, I know you're not, uh, if you were to, we were talking about reincarnation earlier. Oh, I opened the show and said, I'm not gay and I don't need to ask people anymore to validate me. Anyway, Kevin, we were talking about reincarnation earlier. Now, if you were to die and come back a, uh, as an animal, uh, would, would you be attracted to a gay bee? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I somehow it popped in my head in the morning, and I was just like crying, laughing. Because I only found a way around it, you know. It just killed me. So I did Kathleen Turner. So she, so in the sketch, and she's playing herself, and she did that movie Body Heat. So yeah. she has a she has a line in that movie. You're not so uh, something. I like that in a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the sketch, she tries to seduce Harvey Firestein, and then she kisses me, and I'm like, no, 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 and then I faint. And she goes, oh, you're not so gay. I like that in the man. Yeah. And then I wake up, I go, it never happened, you know. You guys but made, made it out. Like, she literally pushes you back onto a table, climbs yeah. on top of you, and, and sucks face with you. And then, and then Phil came on as Lee Iacocca. He goes, I'm Lee Iacocca, you know. And he go, now, if we were talking about, if you were to die and come back as an animal, would you be attracted to a gay bee? And he's like, what? <laughs> I go, would you be attracted to a gay bee? And he goes, a gay bee? What's a gay bee? I go, no, no, not a gay bee, a gay bee. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? I go, oh, well, I know you're not gay, but if you were, would you be attracted to me? And he goes, oh, sure, if you buy a Chrysler. <laughs> and I go, yeah, well, would you? And I whisper in his ear, in his ear I go, and he goes, eh, you'd have to buy a Ram van for that. <laughs> and then I said, checks in the mail. And then you guys close with the But you know song. that joke, the three, three biggest lies, checks in the mail, something else, and I won't come in your mouth. So, <laughs> so I got that by the censors. Yeah, well, but you have, uh, have you buy a van. Checks in the mail, you know. You guys so, close singing, too. Anyway, so then Harvey, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I go, yeah, I finally found somebody. So then we're dancing together, and I'm like, and I like to sing. And then I'd have him see talk like this, and then I'd sing like, I've never been in love before. <laughs> oh, it's once it's you. And then he goes, so, and he sings something rich. So please forgive this helpless haze I've been. I've never really been in love. In love, be, be. <laughs> Four. So he, anyway, next thing I know, Lauren says to me the next week, he goes, um, John Harvey fire scene's coming in to complain. <laughs> he goes, uh, how's your standing in the gay community? Mine's fine. I'm like, oh, thanks for selling me out. So he comes in, and actually, Harvey Firestein lived in the same apartment building as Danny Car Carvey, right? And Dana said to me once, he goes, uh, and I'd done it twice, and it was, it was like becoming a really popular character, because, you, you know, Harvey Firestein, first of all, he's a very talented guy. I was a fan of him. I, I saw him in the play Torch Song Trilogy. He wrote it. I think he directed it. He Starting, I mean, he's this real talented, you know, guy, and, but and he's very eccentric. So it's fun to play eccentric characters, for, mm -hmm. you know, for any actor. So Dana said, "Oh, I saw Harvey Firestein." I go, "What do you say?" He goes, "He goes, is John going to do that thing again?" And Dana goes, "Why? What do you want me to tell him?" You know, Dana likes to stir it up, and he goes, "Well, I, I don't mind. I don't mind, but you know, my mother." 
So he came in to complain, and he brought his brother, and Lauren goes, John, this is Harvey's uh, brother, Steve. He's a lawyer. And I'm like, oh. So he goes, you know, you're doing the worst possible stereotype, and I like to enlighten people. You know, and I, he's saying all this stuff, and in my mind, I'm watching him going, God, I, I really imitate him good. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And he goes, well, you're doing the worst possible stereotype. I go, I go, well, you're the one who said you want a man to wrap his arms around me and love you. I, I say a lot of things, you know. And then he wanted to, his whole idea goes, I want to enlighten people. This was his enlightening idea. I want to do a sketch where I out people on a game show. I'm like, well, that's nice. So he wanted to do a show, heterosexual or homosexual. And then you'd show a picture of some celebrity that was rumored to be gay. And he'd host it and he'd go, heterosexual. And he really just came in because he wanted to host the show. Heterosexual, homosexual, heterosexual. No, he's homosexual. Next. Because he was very, you know, passionate about it's okay to be gay, which it is, and, but no one's admitting it but him. So he wanted to, like, do a game show and basically out people. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, th that seems wrong to me. Call me crazy because I don't think you should out people. It's up to them, you know. Mm -hmm. like, I would never out you. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be your decision. So, right. so and then... Right? So he's all upset about I'm doing the worst possible stereotype and blah, blah, blah. Then I said, well, I said to his brother, the lawyer, I go, do you want me to change the name? He goes, no, no, no. You don't want to hurt what you've built up. I'm like, well, what do you want? You want me to do it or you don't want me to do it? And then, and then we're in the hallway and Harvey goes, John, he wasn't even mad at me. He goes, I have a joke for you. Right? This is what he does. He's standing up. He goes like this. You have to, I guess you'll have to watch this on the... On yeah, the yeah, yeah, we'll throw it up. So he goes... He goes, he goes, John, I have a joke for you. What's the difference between a homosexual and a washing machine? And I go, what? Here, hold the mic. Like this. And he goes, absolutely nothing. So, <laughs> hips. It's all in the so hips. I'm like, he's upset about it, and he's telling me gay jokes. you know. And then I, I saw him a couple years later in the street, and I'm like, Abby Feierstein, what the hell are you doing in New York City? He goes, John Lovett, stop that. You know? <laughs> You talked about in that sketch, uh, Phil Hartman played uh, Lee Iacocca. Um, he was there every year you were there. Or yeah. You were there every year he was there. Who went first, him or you? You were first. Me. Well, you want to talk about Phil? Well, Phil, yeah. I was in the Groundlings, and Phil was like the king of the Groundlings, and, and just he'd been there 11 years. He was the only guy in the Groundlings. Everybody was broke but Phil. He had a new car. He had a, a house, a small house. He had money. He wasn't wealthy, but, but compared to us, we were all dead broke. I was living on... 600 bucks a month for eight or uh, six years. And, and, and he was like the best improviser. He was just amazing. And so anyway, I, I got the 1984 Olympics was happening and they did Olympic Arts Festival here in Los Angeles. And they picked, you know, doing a lot of different arts things. And they picked nine theaters to fund. And one of them was the Groundlings to do a show. So they picked Phil to understudy. I mean, they picked Phil to do the show called, the character he did, Chick Hazard which was a spoof of, like, the detectives from the 40s, and he'd speak really fast, you know. And I liked old movies. Anyway, I was in the Sunday company, and, and I hadn't gotten in after a year, and you get voted into the main company. So the director, Tom Maxwell, said, well, I'm doing this show. Why don't you understudy a part in this show we're doing this summer with Phil Chick Hazard? I've never worked with you, and I'm going to be the one working with you. So let's see how we get along. Let's just go from there. I said, right. does that sound fair? I go, yep, let, that's more than fair. Let's do it. So... I said, well, whose idea was it for me to understudy in the play anyway? And he goes, Phil's. I'm like, really? He knows who I am? That's how big of a star he was. I'd never met him. I'm like, he knows who I am? And I remember being, they had these lockers in the groundlings, and I was in the hallway, 
And I saw Phil coming down. He had on his fedora and his trench coat like Humphrey Bogart and the makeup on. And he was very thin. And he, you know, he looked like a movie star. And I'm like, oh, hey, Phil, I, I'm John Lovitz. Yeah, I know who you are, John. I go, oh, you, you do? He goes, yeah, I've seen your work. I think you're, uh, you're great. I go, well, thanks. Well, uh, thanks for recommending me for that part. Oh, yeah, 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 you'll be fantastic. And he walked on by. And in my head, I thought, oh, my God, Phil Hartman spoke to me. Like, that's how big he was in the grounds. He, you know, and he was nine years older than me. So I did the show. I got in. So, and so because of he, he picked me. So I'm like, well, I'll do anything for this guy because this guy's helping me fulfill my dreams, you know. And so I was like a puppy dog. So he was like the older brother I, I never had. But, and I had close friends. But he was like the older brother I never had and really wanted. And he was just the nicest, nicest guy in the world. One day, and he lived right in Sherman Oaks. He had a house. And he said, why don't you... I kept saying, hey, I want to see your house. I want to see your house. All right. So I get to see his house. He goes, you know, you're the only guy I've ever had from the groundlings over at my house. I go, I am? He'd been in it 11 years. I go, why? He goes, well, I'm just private, you know. So we became close friends. Anyway, I get the show. And then, you know, he's going, hey, my friend John Lovitz is here. He just got Saturday Night Live. He's the new star of Saturday Night Live. And, you know, he just would always make me feel great and... And then, uh, but that October, I was on the show. P- Penny Marshall befriended me. She'd been hanging out at the first show, so she put me in this movie, Jumpin' Jack Flash. And she said, "Do you know of any other improvisers?" So I recommended some. But I think I, I think Phil got it on his own the movie anyway. And the producer was uh, Joel Silver, who's gone on, you know, did Die Hard and and the what's what's that fame with Keanu Reeves? The Matrix. The Matrix. Yeah, very big producer. So And so Joel thought I was funny and he liked old movies. I go, well, you got to meet my friend Phil. So Phil met him too. Anyway, cut to a year later. I said, Phil, you got to do the show. And oh, no, After my first year, they, they were getting rid of people. So they, so they go, we want people that you work well with. So they said, who do you work well with? So I said, well, Tim Stack and Phil Hartman and, and Lynn Stewart and Tress McNeil. They're the four, they were all older than me. I go, they're the four best people in the groundlings right now. They're all like brilliant like Lynn Stewart was Miss Yvonne in the Pee Wee show. Tress McNeil, you'll see her name on The Simpsons. She can do like any voice. She was in Chick Hazard. She was like a brilliant actress and beautiful. And I go, these are the people, these are the people I looked up to. I don't know how I got Saturday Night Live. I just got in the company in September of 84. And the next thing you know, a year later, I'm on the show. Right. And I was like the new guy. And I remember Paul Rubens as Pee Wee Herman. He said to me, God, I've never seen it happen so fast, you know. Well, I go, I've been at it for 13 years before this, but no, I got in the growlings and boom, I get the show. Before that, it was Lorraine Newman in 75. Now it's 1985. And Tom Maxwell, the director, goes, boy, it's like clockwork here every 10 years. Somebody know? from the growlings gets yeah. SNL. So you were the first and then so, Phil So I was recommending you. Phil and, and Lawrence said, well, John, he's been in the growlings 11 years. If he hasn't made it by now, don't you think there's a reason? I go, well, I, I, I guess. And I thought, but what? He's so talented, you know. And I said to Lauren, listen, if you think I'm good, I go, you should see Phil. He's like, you know, a genius. You know, I looked up to him. I, you know, I just said, he's, you know, way better than me if you think I'm good. So, so anyway, Phil auditioned. And if you go on YouTube, you can see his audition. And then I step in and you go, is that you or your son? Anyway, so, and, and he got the show. And then he turned it down. Really? At first, he was like, "Yeah." I don't he do said, it. "No, I don't." I said, "Why?" He didn't even want to audition. He goes, "I'm happy. I'm writing my scripts, and I'm making 120 thousand dollars a year. I have my house. I'm good. I don't want to be famous. I don't want it." So he turned it down. So I was like, "Phil, come on, you have to do it." And I, I thought, "Why hasn't he made it? He's so talented. Anything he does, you know, he he's was a 
His brother was a, a manager of these famous rock groups. He goes, like, uh, America and, and Poco and Crosby, Stills and Nash. He goes, hey, Phil, can you draw a design for an, uh, an album cover for America? So Phil goes, all right, I'll try. So he drew something. He goes, you mean like, his, how's this, something like this? And his brother goes, something like this, this. So if you see America's Greatest Hits, he drew that. He did the Crosby, Stills and Nash logo. He was like a, a very successful graphic artist. And the only reason he was in the Groundlings, there, someone had a birthday party and they went to the, to the show for a gift, and Phil was one of the people going in the party, and they said, and they said you know, all of a sudden there's, there's an intermission, and all the actors in the groundlings are backstage, and they hear the audience like dying laughing. And they went out there, and Phil just got up on stage and started entertaining everybody. So they said, hey, you want to be in this company? He's like, oh, sure, I'll try it, you know. And he's like, the best ever. So... I kept saying, I said, Phil, I thought the reason he hadn't worked was he just, he, the bottom line was he didn't believe in himself. He was very humble. He didn't think he was as talented as he was. And everyone in the ground is like, you're like beyond. He could do anything. He could do characters. He could play himself. He could be the character. He could be the leading man. He could do anything. He and, and Jim Carrey are the only two actors I've ever met who could change their face and look completely different without makeup. Just rubber face it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just like, I go, how do you do that? I mean, I can't, I just always look the same. And Jim Carrey would, used to do all these impressions like Henry Fonda, then he looks like Henry Fonda. Now here's Clint Eastwood. He looks like Clint Eastwood. He can make his eyebrows. And his, I know, how do you do that? And Phil could, Phil could do that too. So over the five years, so he finally, he, the then he changed his mind years. and he did the show. Well, all right. Over but that. there's a story to that. It's kind of funny. All right, go ahead. So I said, so I felt like, well, Phil, why'd you change your mind? Because of me, I convinced you to do it. He's like, no. I'm like, oh, I thought it was me. I go, well, why'd you change your mind? He goes, Joel Silver called me up and said, you're crazy not to do this. So that's why he did it. I was trying to get the credit. And it wasn't me. It was Joel. Once so, again, so the promise of a funny story just doesn't really... <laughs> Oh, okay, and let's just take a break and a quick joke. Two Jews walk into a bar, <laughs> they buy it. <laughs> and a month later, sell it for a profit. <laughs> a woman is at her psychiatrist's office. She says, Doctor, kiss me. He says, I can't. You're my patient. Doctor, kiss me. I can't. I'm your psychiatrist. Doctor, just kiss me. I can't kiss you. I shouldn't even be fucking you. <laughs> Why isn't that a headline? John Lovitz continues cussing. <laughs> Um, in the five years or four years that you worked side by side with him, um, is, would you consider him the guy you got along with best there at SNL, Phil? Phil Hartman? Well, I became, he, he became, well, we were already friends. Yeah, he's like my brother. And then Dana Carvey and I became very close friends. And Dennis and Kevin, we all became close. And Victoria, we, we, Dana and I adored Victoria, um, Jackson. And so we were, you know, all close friends. But yeah, Phil, and, like, if you said who is the closest friends, I guess Phil and, Phil and Dana, and then and then uh, Dennis. And, and Kevin's stuck- a great guy. I just wasn't as close as friends with him, but I, you know, I'm friendly with him. Of course, he's a great guy. And Phil stuck around for how many years after you left? Phil stayed another four years. Did he make it to? He didn't make it to ten. It was nine years. He was. He made it to eight years, and then the year I left, I would be in New York, and Al Franken would call me and go, "Oh, you're in town. Can you come on and do this sketch?" Okay. And they kept doing it. Calling me to be on, and I was glad to be there. I didn't, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was just like, I have no idea. You're what talking to do about now. the following season, season yeah, because I, when you're on that show, like Dana, tell you, you're just consumed by it. 
we were there, you know, 80 hours a week. Every Tuesday, I was there till seven in the morning writing sketches. My first year, anyway. And it just, it was just, it was my life. It was the show, the show. We didn't call it Saturday Night Live. We never go, oh, I'm on Saturday Night Live. You go, the show. Well, the show, we got to do the show, the show, you know, the show, the show. I mean, we were just obsessed with it and just really into it like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone there was. The writers, the actors, everybody. The show, the show, the show. And so I didn't know what to do with myself. So I kept, you know, I'd be in New York. They want to come on, yeah. And then, and then I get a call. It's the last show. And Brad Gray was my manager, and it was now the head of Paramount. He goes, "Hey, um, Lauren called and said they're doing doing something on the show. It's just a joke." And I'm like, "Oh, all right." So I watched the show that night, and Lauren and it's the opening with Lauren's with Dennis Miller, and Lauren goes, "So you're really leaving, huh?" He goes, "Yeah." So you're going to just go, right? He goes, all right. And Lauren, Dennis goes, yeah, it's my last year. I'm gone. Back. And Lauren goes, all right. So, I mean, you're not going to keep coming back like Lovitz, are you? It's pathetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, did they just fucking slam me on national television? Like, I keep coming? I'm the one that keeps coming back? Somewhere they, Harvey Farstein was like, ha, 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 ha. I was so mad. Yeah, and I was, yeah right. Well, he's like, eh. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin. Stop for a second. Look. <laughs> Feels like the mid-80s again. <laughs> Kevin, stop it. When are you going to grow that beard? Did you, uh, that was the end of the 16th season that you weren't on. Did you then, like the next season, if they called, were you like, fuck them, I'm not going on? Because yeah. of that comment? Yeah. Did you really? Mm-hmm. So how long did you... <laughs> Well, I, I just thought, and the audience didn't laugh at it. I go, what are they slamming me for? They keep calling me to come back. Right. And they're telling the world, I coming back, it's pathetic. I, I didn't think it was funny. How long did you give them the cold shoulder? I don't know. They, and I, I don't know. I, th- I think I went, no, I think I went back a few times after that maybe, but then I, 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 I don't know. I, I just thought, now you're going after us. I thought you're supposed to go after the people that, you know, are... The people that they would go after were people that were jerks and, and assholes, you know, that deserved it, you know, not people that were like down and, you know, and, and I mean, it's not funny, like, you know, somebody, well, this isn't funny at all, like somebody loses their family in a car accident. Well, you don't make fun of the guy, there's nothing funny there, you know, but if you make fun of a, of a, of a hypocrite, you know, right. a liar, something like that, you know, a, a guy who's... Screwing so which, people which, I don't over, understand you know? which one are you, the hypocrite or the person who lost their family in a car accident? I'm the, the, the Jew that turned down your advances. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of those people. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm telling you, we, after this show, you can deny it, but we go up there in that room... <laughs> Kevin goes, John, why don't you have a little, uh, I got you a little drink here. Let's celebrate the show. I go, Kevin, I don't drink. Come on. I did that last time. And I, I, all I know, I drank it. And next thing I know, it's three in the morning. My pants are down. Kevin's not there. My ass is sore. I'm like, what happened? And I parked a bike in it. Okay. Yes. So you see, he admits it. (laughs) Um, all right, man. Do you remember anything else about any of the other guest hosts? So should I go down this list or no? Well, I mean, let me let me look at the. I'll just call out names. James Woods. Yeah, great guy. I, I mean, it helps to look at the uh, picture. No, no, the sketch. <laughs> yeah, no, the sketches that they did that year because I don't. It was 1989. I, you know, I have to look at the the, the sketches that they did. 
I love that you come prepared. Well, I have it right here in my computer, but we're going to. You will you're all... the one interviewing me. What I, sketches? I know, but you're. I don't need. I don't know the schedule. I'm just asking about the people oh, you worked on, with. It's on there. Well, they were all. They were all great guys. I remember Woody Harrelson. I became friends with John Goodman. Was a lot of fun. Uh, Robert Wagner. We were, you know, guys that you grew up watching on television. We were very excited to. Anytime you had a host that was somebody from like the generation you watched on TV, TV. yeah, you were thrilled. I get to do a scene with Robert Wagner. They wrote a very. I think Al Franken wrote a sketch where Robert Wagner was a male nurse, and then, uh, and I'm the patient, and he's the male nurse. I go, you know, I'm really thanks for not, you know. Um, you know, being taking such good care of me. Because, you know, I've heard of these stories where, you know, patients under anesthesia and, the, and the, the nurse will, like, you know, like molest them sexually. And he goes, yeah, he goes, it happens. And I go, you know, I give him a look. And it was a, it was a funny, he did a sketch where he's on a date with Jan Hooks. And, you know, he, Robert Wagner's a very suave guy. So I wrote this sketch where he's, you know, Jan's very excited. She's on this date with this very suave, handsome guy. He goes, how are you, Jan? Good to see you. And he starts eating. And he just, like, is the biggest pig eating? I remember, it was one yeah, of the, yeah it's, these are all on Hulu. I think you can look it up. It was one of the one of the funniest sketches ever. Andy McDowell, sweet Ed O'Neill, great guy. I'm still friends with him. He came to opening the club. Really, Ed O'Neill, you're still buddies with? Mm-hmm. I hear he fights fucking like mixed martial arts and shit. He's like, yeah, he started doing it with the, with the Gracie brothers. And then one time, who were the Gracie brothers? The Gracie brothers they they invented Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Their their grandfather, the family. They they do that and then they they were in Torrance. And they were just like huge fans of Married with Children. No, no, like, they we were in Torrance, and then they have in this like a studio in Torrance, and the the, the whole uh, UFC fighting they they started that they found they founded the UFC right, they owned it, way. and but they opened a, a place in Torrance, and then uh, Ed was interested in it and he would tell me oh there's these guys the Gracie brothers and I go down there and. Training, he really enjoys it. We were on this fishing trip in Alaska. Like, what? He goes, let me show you. And he's sitting on a rock, and he reaches behind me. He goes, and then he starts choking me, and I'm not enough. I'm like, I'm like, stop, stop, you know. So I always accuse him of trying to kill me. He's a black belt, right? Well, they, yeah, he he told me that he'd done it for seven years, and he showed up one day, and they go, we're giving you your black belt, and he was floored. He goes, you are, you know, and they just said you're at that level, yeah. He, Ed O'Neill's a, he's a really nice guy and a great gr- dramatic actor, you know, before he did Married with Children. And, and also a great athlete. He, he, uh, he, uh, I think he played a game, I don't know, for a professional football team, you know, he, he was a, Did he back in the day? Or, yeah, he already got to the, I think he played one game or something. I don't know. He's, he, I love him in, uh, Spanish Prisoners and David Mamet's Spanish Prisoner. And he kind of sets it all up at one point in the movie. He comes in for one scene. He's a surgeon. It's genius. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Not a, he doesn't play a surgeon. His performance is like surgery. It's so fucking... Well, good surgery, not bad surgery. I don't know what I'm that means. To... Surgery, that well-done surgery, I guess. Um, you still looking I for names? Know, my, yeah, my computer's not going. Christopher Walken was a... That was the first time he ever appeared on SNL. Was that your... He he was a funny... There was, I said there was this restaurant in New York... I lived, I moved down the street from on 69th and Columbus called Columbus. And Penny Marshall brought me there and she goes, this Mater de Pauly, she says, take care of John. And he introduced me to everybody. And there was one section of this restaurant, there was 12 tables. Did I already tell this story before? Yeah. 
So anyway, everybody that was there, Mike Tyson, Barishnikov, Regis Philbin, Robert De Niro, Bruce Springsteen, Sting, I met, uh, Dana, Miller, Dana Carvey and Dennis Miller and I, we were hanging out with David Bowie there. We went out dancing with him one night. It was just crazy. We're like, we're in that world. One night we're sitting there with Corbin Burnson and Dennis Miller and I in 85. We're sitting there with Mick Jagger and David Bowie. We're like, and we're looking at each other. A year ago, we're broke. Now we're hanging out with these guys, you know, one night. Anyway, I met Christopher Walken there, and he would come into the restaurant, and he'd wear a black trench coat, and his hair was spiked straight up. And, you know, he plays these crazy characters in movies. So he'd walk in, and he'd look around like this, and I'm going, that guy's fucking scary. (laughs) He scared the shit out of me. So one night he walks in, and and he looks at me, he goes, and he points at me, and he bugs his eyes, he goes, you, you know. uh, And he was imitating my devil character. And... So I became friends with him. And what I didn't realize was he's, he's one of the funniest people you can meet. I mean, he's really hilarious. And, you know, everybody, all the comics imitate him. And, and uh, he did a movie once with um, the Suicide Kings with Jay Moore. And Jay can imitate him really well. And he kept doing it. He goes, yeah, I had to tell Jay, you stop doing that before every take, you know. And I did a movie with him, Stepford Wives. I go, are you aware that you speak like that? He goes, yeah. I go, are you doing it on purpose? Yeah. You know, and he, and he I go, what are you doing it? Because he'll say a line that you would never imagine saying the way he says it in a million years. But he goes, well, you know, he goes, I try to surprise myself, you know. So he'll go, anyway, I was walking down the street the other day, you know, and that's how you do it. And we're on the set of this movie, Stepford Wives, and he started, and then he would, he was doing some take, and I'm off to the side, and he's saying, he was just saying the craziest things, and no one was saying to him, don't say that stuff. And then he was like looking at me, you know. He goes like, yes, yeah, sometimes I like to go fishing in the hatchery with my underwear. I don't know, whatever, just something crazy. And he's, then he'd look at me and he go, and so I'm like crying laughing, you know. And I'm like, and I walked, I go, are you trying to make me laugh? He goes, yeah. And I mean, one time he told this story about this Nico Sakharopoulos, who was the director, uh, artistic director of this theater in Williamstown. I think the theater's called Williamstown. Anyway, for years. And the guy died of a heart attack at 61. So Chris was saying, you know, I knew Nikos, and I think I have a theory why he died at such a young age of a heart attack. And, and he went on for like 20 minutes, on and on and on. And then finally he goes, anyway, so this is the reason I think Nikos died so young. And we're like, what? And he goes, <clears throat> Nikos Ate a lot of cheese. <laughs> I'm like crying. Oh, that's it? After 20 minutes, he ate a lot of cheese. And, and then I ran him about a year later at a restaurant. I go, remember, Nico said a lot of cheese. He goes, he ate a lot of cheese. <laughs> and then they had this story. Oh, and then he's like at Saturday Night Live. I remember this. He's at Read Through, right? And, and we're all afraid. Like, don't say anything. Lauren's the butt. He'll get mad. You know, you read the sketch. You don't say anything. He's saying, come comment after every sketch. We're like in our 20s, we're like, shit. You know, we're thinking, oh, he's going to get in trouble, you know. Because he was commenting sh- after the sketch. Yeah, like, like Lauren's going to get him in trouble. You know, we don't know. I mean, well, he's not working for Lauren. He's hosting. So he's hosting the show, and he's drinking his wine. He's a little drunk, you know. And he'd say, oh, that was funny, da-da-da. And then he'd go... <laughs> And his face would go beet red. And I know him, right? So I'm like dying laughing. I'm sitting, I used to like sit right next to the host where my seat was. I'm like just crying laughing. And I'm like, God. And then he said, so this is the line he said. People, they always misquote it. It was some lines about 
a, a sketch about bears. So he finishes sketching. He goes, bears are funny. <laughs> As are bear suits. <laughs> and just like beat red. So I'm like, I'm like Jesus Christ. It's just nuts. But he was great. And, then he, he did, and if you watch him ever hosting that show, I mean, he'll, he'll play a spaceman. You know, and they go, don't look in the camera. Don't this. He's doing everything. He's looking at cards. Yeah, da-da-da-da-da. And looking in the lens going, hey. <laughs> He's just going off. Just going nuts. I mean, it, we would just be crying, laughing. And then he came up. He goes, you know, there was a show on TV called The Continental. I used to watch as a kid. So he would do that. He would do that sketch, and basically, it was a guy. The the camera was. He'd be looking right into the lens of the camera. It was a POV shot. And he, the camera yeah, was and meant he'd have to be a you. Robe and a mustache. He was on a date with a girl, and the and the camera was like the girl. And he goes, "Oh, come in. How are you? Please come in." And you know, and I mean, the guy's like just as you know, brilliant, you know, genius actor, great guy, really nice, really funny guy. And, but that's the quote everyone says about bears. They always get it wrong. He goes, bears are funny, as are bears suits. Just says, the, you go, what? <laughs> um, Hanks, but, dude, Hanks uh, had been on the show a few times, and you got to do that standing around on the corner thing with him. Yeah, I did. Robert Smigel wrote Triumph the Dog. He'd, he'd done that. He wrote that piece, Girl Watchers, you know, which was two losers. And I remember the first time we did it, and you're going, you know, a girl would walk by going, hello. And goodbye. And Robert told us how to do it like that, you know. And then Tom, I, I drew like a monochrome eyebrow. And then Tom had a line. He goes, yes. He goes, we'll never get these girls. He goes, this head is way too big for this body. And I go, and these eyebrows come together in a most unappealing way. And uh, yeah, it's funny when you see it. <laughs> but yeah, we did it. By then, I'd be, he'd become one of my best friends. So it was like, at this point in the show, the hosts are like, I'm friends with some of these people. So it was like working with your friends. I mean, it was, it was different. And it was easy. I broke down the show. The show, I used to get so tense. And William Shatner hosted the show. He, I, did we talk about that? Mm -hmm. He was the one we were the most excited about of anybody. Because we all grew up watching Star Trek. Right. And I remember even Dennis Miller, you know, the host would come and Dennis would be like, oh, I'm looking, William Shatner's there. And Dennis, I look at Dennis, he's like this. Just beaming. Because we're all thinking, it's Kirk. It's Kirk. He wasn't William Shatner. He's Kirk. You know, to us, it was real. It was like a Kirk. And he did the show so easy. And I said, how do you do that? You're just making it like it's nothing. He goes, just do it. And I would always be tense and angst-ridden and felt. So the next week, I thought, all right, what do they ask me to do? You know, blocking, which is where do you walk? So they're saying, all right, walk from point A to point B. I go, well, I know how to walk. Walk, walk, walk. And now speak. Blah, blah, blah. And I just boiled down to you walk to a spot and you talk. Walk and then talk. I go, well, I can do that every day. And so the next week, I did the show like that. I didn't stress myself out. And I thought, I'm not going to be as funny. I was convinced of it. And I did the show. And I wasn't less funny, and I wasn't more funny. I was the same. And I remember thinking, what have I been putting myself through every week? So then I was just so relaxed about doing the show. It just became so easy. And then I would, like, mess with Mike Myers. And he'd be, I was, like, totally relaxed. And he was, everyone was like this. I'm like, I figured it out. This is a piece of cake. So he'd be in front of me and I'd tap his shoulder. He's like, what? I go, Mike, Mike, what? I go, what are you looking at me for? Pay attention to the scene. He's like, stop it. 
Um, one more show I want to talk about in this season, man, before we close it out. Oh, is, all right. Is the uh, Andrew is Dice not... Clay episode. That's the one where... Oh, Nora, Andrew Dice Clay? Yeah, yeah. Nora yeah. Dunn was like, uh, uh, she walked on the episode. Yeah, that was a bunch of, load of crap. Well, what happened was, he was playing stadiums, Andrew Dice Clay. He was playing 20,000 yeah. seat arenas. It's fucking huge. And I, I know Andrew Dice Clay. He's a very nice guy. And he said, you know, I want to create a character that can play, like Elvis, but comedy and play stadiums. And if you look at his character, that's not him. He goes, John, you really think I don't like gay people? It's ridiculous. I love women. I love men. I don't care. He goes, it's, that's the point of it. It's the, the character. He goes, it's an idiot. Mm-hmm. And it's a buffoon. And he's really mocking people like that. It's so over the top, huge character, you know. It's like an Archie Bunker kind of thing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and it's funny, you know. And if you take it serious, well, at the time, people are taking it seriously. So anyway, is the last season of the show, and I don't think there they were, Nora, you know, she caused a lot of trouble and it was very hard to get along with, so they weren't going to ask her back anyway. So it's the last show. So she says, she goes to the press and says, I'm not doing this show. He's against women, and I'm not doing it. This, and this is how the press works. So I was, and I'm telling you, I'm on the inside of this. They don't know this story. They don't know... It's like she's just doing it to get press. It's her last hurrah. They're not asking her back on the show. And if she had gone to Lauren first and says, I don't want to do the show because of him and he offends me, I'm not doing it, I guarantee you Lauren would have said, okay, you don't have to do it. He wouldn't have said that to anyone else, but to her he would have said, okay. But she didn't do that. She goes to the press. So he gets there. The next thing you know, everyone now, the National Organization for Women, they jump on the cause. This one jumps on the cause. They don't know what's going on. They don't know this is why Nora's doing it. And they're and they're doing comic relief, which they would do every year. They're doing it that Saturday. And Lauren's pissed about that because Saturday Night Live has to set their schedule like a year ahead. So they know they go, why would you be right across the street at Radio City Music Hall doing a show right when we're doing a live show also? That you couldn't have waited done it this weekend or the weekend after they could have, but they didn't. And then we're doing the show and and Andrew's like, does n- nobody want to work with me? He goes, like, what's going on? What are they? And we go, look, it's not you. Or it was the second to last show. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we're going, like, we're doing the show. And we're like, well, where's Nora? Oh, she's across the street doing press at Comic Relief. And I remember Jan goes, what the fuck? So, like, so we're all here doing the show. We look like idiots. Like we support. We're against women. We're doing the show. And she's over there slamming the host this week. I mean, it was really bad. It was mm-hmm. like betrayal and, tra- you know, it's like, and by the way, you know, when Sam Kinison host, he, he did the show, he exploded. The next week they had him back to host the show. And he brought, he, I'm on the show and he goes, John, uh, this is my friend Dottie. Dottie. Uh, you know, North, short for Dorothy, Dottie. I go, oh, hi, hello, Dottie. I go, Sam, Dottie, isn't that a, isn't that like Seika the porn queen? Yeah. Oh, she's your friend? Yeah. Ooh. Dottie. Dottie's there. Nora did the show it there. All of Nora's characters, you know, Babette, Pat Stevens, they're idiot women. They're women that are idiots, you know, but she's four women. But Andrew Dice Clay, no, I can't work with him. So it just exploded. It was crazy. And you saw all these organizations jumping on, having no idea what's really going on. And we're all like... This is insane, you know, the press and everything. And the show was very funny. He, we did a spoof of a Raging Bull, which he came up with, you know, that was very funny. And so we did the show. 
And then, anyway, and then the next week was our last show, and Nora's back, and everyone just, like, they just wouldn't speak to her. Real? She got the cold shoulder? Oh, yeah, like iceberg. And we're just looking at her going, "Mm mm-hmm, thanks. Because she just made us look like we're, like, sellouts for doing the show with him. And, you you know, it's our job. I don't, we don't pick the host, you know. But did you? I don't set the tax code. Anyway, so, (laughs) so, uh. You know, I didn't ask him to lie. I just pointed it out. Right. So, did you know, you know that that was going to be your last show? It had all this stuff with? No, the- I had no. I was planning on coming back, and then they were negotiating for me to come back. So all that stuff happened to- after. Yeah, and then he ended. said, "Well, I said I have a movie." And he goes, "Well, you can't miss shows this year, but the next year you can." I go, "But I have a movie now." He goes, "But John, it's not fair to the other actors because you're not there. They can't write sketches for you." I'm like, "Are you joking? Trust me." If I'm, I know this cast. If I'm not there to do a show, they're like, good. More airtime for me. Nobody gave a crap if you weren't there. Right. Like, more for me. Oh. I mean, it was every man for himself. That's how, that's how it was. Um, so that wrapped it up, man. That was the end of your, your tenure. Well, then I hosted in 97. Did you? How was that? It was really weird. Were any of the same people still there at no. that point? No. So it was like all these new people in your house. And then at the end of the show, we'd always come up to the host and say thanks. And the only person that said thank you to me was uh, Will Ferrell. Nobody. I don't know. And what, I think what happened was I was, I don't know. The, the first Monday, you meet with the cast. And you're sitting in the chair. And I'm like, fuck, now I'm sitting in the chair next to Lauren's desk. So before they come in, Lauren said, John, they're going to tell your ideas. Just don't say anything. Just let them talk. Don't say anything if you like it or not. Don't say anything. Just say, I went, all right. All right. Really? Okay. So they came in. Because that go, wasn't the process back in the day for not you? Not really. He'd say, oh, thank you. Okay, let me think about it. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that sounds good. Let me think about it. All right, let's So he just wanted, don't respond He said, don't say anything. All right. So they come in. They go, I have an idea about this. I'm like, oh, okay. Nothing, nothing. And so I think that just set the tone of like, what's with him? But he told me, don't say anything. Right. So you yeah. think the writers and everybody were well, like, well, and then what would happen is, I'm just, you know, a sketch, this is a sketch, a sketch has the same format as a movie, except it's in four minutes. You have the, the beginning, and you set up who, what, and where, and the conflict right away. And then it builds and builds and builds to the climax, and then you have the resolution or, or, or the ending. So there's a story to a sketch. And everything they pitched me was, it, like a girl said, I have an idea for a sketch. You're a teacher. And you come to a, a class, you know, you're a teacher in a classroom. You know how a kid will bring a teacher an apple? I said, yeah. So they come in and they bring, a kid brings you an apple. I go, okay. They go, then another kid comes in and then they bring you an apple. And then another kid comes in, brings you an apple, and, the, and, and they keep bringing you apples. And I said, oh, okay. And then what happens? She said, well, no, that's the sketch. The, 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 just that they're all bringing you apples. I said, well, that's not a sketch. That's a premise. What happens? And a lot of times, if you watch the show, and even when I was on it, they, they'd set it up, and then they would just do the same joke over and over, and it wouldn't go anywhere. You know, so I don't think they liked that. I, I don't know. You'd have to ask Will Ferrell. Will came up to me, and Molly Shannon said, hi, John, but she wasn't even there that week. She was, by then, they let people miss shows to do movies, so. Did you do the monologue? Yeah, Is I did. Is that weird to do the monologue? I, will, I really wanted to host it, and I wanted to host it the year before because I got to star in a movie, High School High. So I called. I said, "Hey, tell Lauren I want to host. You know, I'm starring this movie." 
And, and then Marcy Klein, who is now producing 30 Rock. Marcy, by the way, is a, her dad's Calvin Klein, you know, and she was like, a, got a job on the show in like eight, uh, I think 86. And so me going, I go, your dad's Calvin Klein? Yes. Well, can I have some underwear? You know? <laughs> And I would just, every year, I go, where's my free underwear, Marcy? So finally, one year, she goes, hey, Merry Christmas. Here's your underwear, you know. I said, well, if I'm wearing Calvin Klein's underwear, what's your dad wearing? But anyway, she's very nice. So I said, what's, what's going on? Well, you could host, but Lauren, uh, or Robert Downey Jr.'s hosting. They don't have two guys in a row or something from the show hosting. And then... All right, well, how about next week? Well, oh, oh no, Dana's hosting, but then it's Robert. Oh, then Chris Rock is hosting. They don't want two guys in a row. Oh, Dana's hosting, you want to wait. And then Chris Rock hosted, then I think Robert Downey, then somebody else. So I call her, I go, what the fuck, man? I go, you just had four people in a row from the show hosting. Why can't I host? I have the movie coming up. Well, he's, Lauren's still mad at you. For what? For leaving. I go, mad at me for leaving? It was six years ago. I go, everybody left. Yeah, but you were the first. I'm like, are you kidding? So the next year, they let me host. After the movie would come out, it, you know, so I said... It wasn't tied to anything? You were just... No. So he goes, all right, now you can host. I'm like, all right. So, and I was thrilled to host because, you know, you're on the show and everyone, the host was a major star. So it's kind of saying, hey, you've arrived, you can host. So, and Lauren was very nice to me that week. Very different than when I was on the show. And I was just like, he's like just a different person, you know. And I saw backstage of the show where it was, when I was on the show, it's like, oh, he doesn't like me or this. When I hosted, I saw, he goes, hey, let's try to get this person in this. And he just seemed like very kind. It was just very different. And I think it's because we were all much younger and the stakes were higher. Now the show is doing well. I don't know. Whatever. I was more mature. He was older. It was just different. Nice I was like 41. I wasn't 28. It wasn't my first job. Nice bit of closure to the whole thing. Yeah. So all I can tell you is, when I, I really wanted to host, so when they said, eh, now there's I have John, your host, John Lovitz, and you watch it, I run out, and there's a star where you're just dead, and I just jumped in the air, and I went, <clears throat> and I just jumped on that, like, and Lauren goes, oh, you're going to get up a lot of applause, like milk it, and I jumped on it, and boom, and they applauded, and applauded, and applauded, I mean, they, they didn't stop, it was like a minute and a half, I mean, they went nuts, and I was like, oh, right, I'm back, you know. That's awesome. It was a, it was a wonderful feeling, you know. Um, sum it all up. Look back on SNL. Sum it all up. It was a great time. I pay my fair share of taxes. <laughs> You're not really gay. Harvey Firestein's a wonderful man. Um, the most fun thing I've ever done in my career is still live television. There's nothing like it. It's the most exciting thing you can do. It combines theater playing for the camera, like a movie television. It's live. It's, Every every Saturday in that studio, I don't, except for once, you, I don't care how tired I was, that music kicked in and we're live and my adrenaline shot through the roof. And it's, it's just an electric atmosphere, live television. There's nothing nothing better. I have a, I have a career because of the show. You know, I'm, Lauren and I get along great. Now, play tennis. And I said, you know, I say thank you for... Lauren, for giving me the life I dreamed of. And, you know, I had great teachers in college. You dreamed of a life where you don't have anybody but a cat at night? <laughs> well, I have a dog, too. 
I want to say this, dude. You gave me something to do on Saturday nights when I was a kid, and you inspired me because you're a very funny person doing something out of the ordinary, and you look like an ordinary person as well, and you make a kid. I am. I'm go. from yeah. Tarzana. I got the show. I barely got Al Franken said. Don't start the show again. We know no, how no. you got the show. We're at the end of this fucking Everything bitch. Everything you it's all we weren't. Lo- I'm concluding. Everything okay. you weren't. We weren't looking for in one person, but you were funny. Like thanks. You were funny, and you are funny. And the whole and time continue. I was God on the show. God damn it, you yeah. won't let me end the fucking show, man. I was going to say, the whole time I was on the show, I couldn't say Saturday Night Live. Right. I couldn't say it. I'm like, I'm on Saturday Night Live. Couldn't believe it. Now can you say it? I was on Saturday Night Live. Give it up for him, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for sharing your Will story you with us. finish? Thank you for sharing your story with us uh, over the last five episodes. It was amazing. I love hearing it. I've read a lot of feedback online. People love hearing it and whatnot. Well, this was your idea to do it, and I, I, I'm grateful. It was fun, uh, you know, reminiscing about everything. It was neat, man. I went back after every episode because, you know, I sit here and do the show, and then I go home and I'll cut the show and eventually put it up. But whenever I sit there and listen to the sketches we talked about, I would go to my library and pull out shit and watch it again. You're a very funny man, and it's an honor to sit next to you and talk about your past. I look forward to being a part of your future. You're going to be in my movie Hit Somebody. Give it up here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thrilled. Uh, Working with you is a thrill, too. It's going to be a real blast. Thank you all for being here tonight and whatnot and for following uh, the, the Johns history. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Real John Lovitz. You can check out the comments after they post this one. It'll be interesting news because they're watching this now. Who are they? Somebody. Huffington Post and the Jews. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. This has been the ABCs of SNL. Good Thank night. Thank you for coming to the club. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. For Kevin Smith and John Lovitz, the ABCs of SNL. Happy Cinco de Mayo. All right, that's going to do it for this uh, illustrious podcast, the ABCs of SNL. We'd like to thank you all for coming out and supporting Saturday Night Live, Kevin Smith and John Lovitz. If not, folks, as always, we ask that you drive safely on your way home or wherever it is you're off to from here. If you do not feel you can drive safely, please let one of us know. We will be more than glad to call you a cab, call you a drunk, and push you out the doors. That, folks, have a good night. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to pay your taxes. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Prepare to be smotivated by Smodcast.com's guru of gab, Kevin Smith. Pick up his new book, Tough Shit, Life Advice from a Fat Lazy Slob Who Did Good. Available now in hardcover, enhanced, digital, and audiobook. Learn who inspired Kev and be inspired to follow your dreams. It's like a Tony Robbins seminar on steroids, and with a lot more fucking profanity. Neil Gaiman says, I suspect at that Kevin Smith is what all gods and demons aspire to be. And Tim Burton says, I certainly would never read anything written by Kevin Smith. 
Pick up Tough Shit, Life Advice from a Fat Lazy Slob Who Did Good by Kevin Smith. Available every goddamn where. Love movies? What a goddamn goinky-dink. So does Kevin Smith. Want to be on his weekly geekly talk show, Spoilers on Hulu? Kev is looking for people to watch this summer's big screen blockbusters, then sashay down to the Smotco Studios at Universal City Walk in Hollywood and talk about them. Sign up for the studio audience waiting list at smodcast.com slash spoilers. Do it! Do it now! <laughs> Smodco needs to put asses in seats for Dark Knight, Spidey, Total Recall, and more. Smodcast.com slash spoilers.